Amen. Thank you for leading us. That was good. I like that a lot. Well, my name is Kyle Collins. I'm the communities pastor here at Pulpit Rock. Uh, we've been in a series over the last few weeks called Worship Coloring Outside the Lines. And before we jump in, I just wanted to remind you of one thing. Uh, here at Pulpit Rock, we believe that all of us are on a spiritual journey. And so regardless of where you are in that journey, whether you're just starting or have been walking with Jesus for a long period of time, there's two things that are true. That for all of us, that journey is at times messy, and for all of us, that journey's unfinished. No one's arrived. And so thanks for leaning in this morning. One of the things that's been most helpful to me in my journey with God is this truth. There's many things that are true about you, but the truest thing is this, that you are made in the image of God, and you are deeply loved by him. And if you hear nothing else this morning, I pray that you cling tightly to that truth with all you have. You've been made in the image of God, and you are deeply loved by him. Well, I don't know how the title of this series strikes you, Coloring Outside the Lines. I, I think I'm probably one of the people that get a little bit uncomfortable by that. I like to stay within the lines. But I love this metaphor as we talk about worship, because for all of us, we've drawn some lines around this box and idea of worship. And we've kind of said that this is what we think about when we think about worship. And all of us have uh, something in our minds when we think about that. But worship is bigger than that. And so regardless of what that box is, regardless of the lines that you've colored around it, worship is bigger than whatever it is. And it's more holistic, and it's more, which means it takes all of us. It's more involved and engaging. And it's more beautiful and mysterious. And God's invitation to us is that we would begin to start to color outside the lines, that we would see worship as something even bigger and even more mysterious and even more holistic and beautiful. And so that's really my hope for, for myself in this series and my hope for you, that you would uh, feel the freedom and invitation to start to, to view worship with God as something bigger. We've been using this definition over the last couple of weeks, that worship is simply expressing love, reverence, and adoration towards God. So it's expressing love, reverence, and adoration towards God. And there's lots of different ways that we do this. But for me, I like to think of worship maybe in two parts. There's the activity of worship, which is the ways in which we worship. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at Genesis 1, and we talked about how God created the world. And right after he created it, he has this conversation in the garden with Adam and Eve. And he gives them three primary ways to live and walk out this activity of worship. He gives them a job to do. He gives them stuff to enjoy. And he gives them stuff to avoid. And so for all of us in different ways, that's some of the primary ways that we walk out this worship. A job to do, stuff to enjoy, stuff to avoid. But the other side of worship is it's, it, worship is more than just doing. It's not just activity. It's doing with God. And so there's a posture of our heart that there's something a little bit more internal when we think and reflect about worship. That if I asked you the question, how do you become a better worshiper? It's not just about doing more and adding more activity to your life, but it's about doing more with God. And there's this posture and heart peace that I really want to lean into this morning. And here's why it's important. I don't know about you, but I'm really good about making things about me. And so when I have this thing to do, uh, it would be easy for me to say, well, let me create my list, and I'm going to calendar and schedule more worship in my week. And so I'm going to wake up at this time, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to add this, and I'm going to work in my own self-effort and I'm going to become a better worshiper. But if I were just to do without doing with God, it, I would have missed it. And I think all of us are, have spiritual activity in our lives at times that we do, good things we do, but maybe things we do apart from God. 
which is crazy to think of worship as something we do apart from God. But I think there's plenty of times when I, when I get up on a Sunday and I sing a song or I, I do something that is, you know, a spiritual activity. And if I'm honest with myself, you know, God can be absent in that moment. I can just be going through the rhythm of something that I've practiced and learned. And so it takes a moment for us to kind of lean in and consider the posture. And I think uh, what's hard about that is the posture is probably the more difficult thing to adjust, Right? If it was just about adding more activity to our lives, we're pretty good at that. But there's something about posture and there's something about heart that feels a little bit out of reach at times. Have you ever been in a season where you just haven't felt like worshiping? Or the whole idea of expressing love, reverence, and adoration towards God is just the furthest thing from your heart and mind? I think if we're honest, we've all been in a season like that. I think if I'm honest with myself, I'm still a little bit in a season like that. Um, I, the last few years of my life have been really, uh, it's been probably the hardest in my relationship with God. I, I would characterize my relationship with God as a pretty silent one. I feel like I have lots of burning, unanswered questions. And, and there's a lot of wrestling where I feel like God has been present, but he's been quiet. And so there's been this kind of tension. I haven't much felt like expressing gratitude and, and praise and thankfulness for all that God has done. In fact, I think there's some areas where I feel like God hasn't showed up, and I'm frustrated about that, and I don't understand why. But here's something I'm learning in this season, that sometimes we worship God because of what he does for us, and it's appropriate to give him praise and to give him adoration when we see him at work in our lives and we see him answer our prayers. And and there are seasons in life when God just shows up in such powerful ways, and we cannot help but worship. It's the natural response. But there are other seasons in our life where God's a little more quiet, where there's things in our circumstances that that don't feel like they scream praise. And in those moments, we worship God not because of what he does for us, but because of who he is. And there's a difference. Because we worship God for just who he is, we don't worship him just because of our circumstances, just when he's answering prayers, just when we see him showing up in all of these kind of powerful ways. But we worship God because of who he is. And for me, part of adjusting the posture of my heart and leaning into that motivation is understanding and grabbing hold of really who he is. I believe this. I don't think anyone in this room needs to be taught how to worship. I think we all know how to do it. I think Roland said it beautifully last week when he said that we were all created as worshipers. And we don't put that language on it, but all of us in one way or another are, are worshiping something almost in any moment of time. We worship things that make us happy. We worship things that bring us comfort and peace and we express love and adoration towards stuff that we believe will bring us life and make us happy. We know how to worship The question is, who are we worshiping and and how are we directing that worship? And so the wrestling is an internal one. It's not just adding more. It's not just doing more. It's directing our worship in the right sort of ways. But we really do know how to do it. I believe that with all my heart. Um, You know, what's often in the most difficult circumstances of our life uh, and and when things get really hard that I think we recognize and understand who God is to us in the deeper sort of ways. There's something when we've hit those moments where we just need him and there's a trust and a surrender and a yielding um, that can come in those broken moments that actually leads and is kind of the doorway to to really deep worship. 
and is this doorway to understanding who God is in a way that's very personal and very intimate and, and connects deeply with our hearts. I can say this, and I, I never thought I would be able to say it, but in the last two years of my life, when I would characterize my relationship with God as the most rocky and the most difficult and the most filled with kind of tension and, and wrestling and struggle, I've been growing as a worshiper. And I've been growing because I've been forced to. <laughs> I've been growing because the old things that used to connect my heart to God just haven't worked in this season. And there's been this kind of searching and seeking and trying to meet him in different places and trying to hear his voice when it's been really hard to hear. And there's been something that's happened, a recognition of kind of who God is that I wouldn't say the last few years have been filled with lots of thanksgiving and lots of praise for how God's shown up in my circumstances, but it's been filled with a whole new set of worship. And my, the lines that I've drawn around worship have been expanded and have grown. There's this trusting and yielding uh, that happens in worship, and um, I think there's something in that that, uh, that is a letting go that can be hard. And for me, worship uh, is a lot more comfortable, not as a letting go and a yielding, but as an activity that I kind of work and strive at and kind of work to, to manufacture in some ways. So I'm convinced uh, of, of this idea that worship is less about doing, and it's more rooted in this genuine response to who God is. So if we want to grow as worshipers, we have to see him more clearly. If it's connected to who God is, then if we want to grow as worshipers, we have to see him and behold him more clearly. And in a more, circum in a, in a more maybe personal way, it's not just who God is, but who God is to us. And there's something we have to be honest about our own experience and how we've kind of grabbed, grabbed tightly to this. So I think there's two pieces to this. The first is, is maybe a little easier, who God is. Scripture is bursting in revelation of who God is. Literally any book of the Bible you can pick up and start to read and read revelation of who God is and who, who Jesus is and what that testifies to us about God and all of these pieces. And you can read it and, and find out truths of who he is in all of scripture. I mean, here's just a couple from the Psalms and the Old Testament and the New Testament, just statements about who God is. Psalm 116.5 says the Lord is gracious and he's righteous and he's full of compassion. Psalm 68.19 tells us that God daily bears our burdens, and that he's a God who saves. Micah 7.18 tells us that God delights to show mercy. 1 John 4.7 tells us that love doesn't just come from God, but that God is love. In Genesis, we see God create all of creation. And before there was angels and before there was humans to worship, creation itself bowed down in worship to a creator God who was deserving of it. Roland last week shared uh, my favorite passage, uh, is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. It, it is the gospel wrapped up in 10 verses. And what I love so much about the passage is it's not just what God does for us, by grace you've been saved, but there's such a window into the heart of God and who he is to us. Ephesians 2, 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love for us. He's rich in mercy. He's full of love. And so scripture bears testimony. It bears testament to who God is. And you can open any book and find revelation of it. But in a more personal sense, understanding or internalizing who God is can be a little bit harder 
And to be clear to any Bible theologians in the room, I'm not saying that God changes or that he's different. Hebrews uh, 8.13 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what I'm saying is while God is the same and the truth of who he is is the same, there's this subjective quality, uh, this subjective nature of our experience with him. And at times we experience God in different ways. And if we just hold up empty truth about who God is, it may be very, very well true, but if we don't believe it or if our hearts haven't grabbed tight to it, it's not going to be the thing that shifts our heart and that shifts our posture to worship. You could sit and quote scripture at me all day long, but if there's something in me that hasn't grabbed tight to and hasn't believed the words, um, it's, it's truth and it's true, but in those moments, it may not be the most helpful things to me. And so we want to root our worship in the truth of who he is, but we have to be honest about some of that subjective nature of our experience with him at times. And so here's a question for us. I want to do something that we haven't done in a little little while and just take a break. Um, I want to just pause for a couple minutes and and have a reflection. And this is why. I believe that maybe what God wants to say, uh, he's not going to say through me, but he's just going to say to you directly. And so I want to hold space and give space for him to do that. But if I ask you the question, who is Jesus to you right now? What would you say? Who is Jesus to you right now? How would you answer it? We're going to take a moment and just reflect. I want you to hold on to the answer to that question for just a minute. And I think this goes without saying, but we have to answer that question honestly if it's going to be helpful to us. I think sometimes the temptation is to answer it in the right ways or what we maybe know to be true, but, but who is he to you right now? 
And so I want you to hold on to that. And I want to do something this morning a little bit different, but I think it will be helpful. So I wanted to do an illustration, um, but I need two people who would trust me enough to come up front and be used for this illustration. Do I have two people that would be bold enough to come up and maybe do something slightly embarrassing, but not too embarrassing? Anybody? All right. Come on. One more? All right. Come on. Give him a round of applause. All right. You can just come right here, right here in the front. All right. Okay, Brenda, Jerry, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give these headphones to Brenda, okay? And in just a minute, I'm going to have you put them on. You put them on like this and then stick the buds in. And I'm going to play some music, okay? And as the music begins to play, I want you to just do whatever comes natural. And I want you to just dance to the music. I mean, watch the hips a little bit because, you know, but I want you to just dance to the music, okay? And as she begins to do that, in just a minute, Jerry, I know that you can't hear the music that she's listening to, but I want you to watch what she's doing, and I want you as best as you can to imitate exactly what Brenda's doing. Okay? So here we go. We're, we're just going to do this for a short time. Here we go. I'm going to play this song. I hope you like a little Bruno Mars. All right. And she's starting to dance. Okay. Okay. So now, I want, while they're doing this, I want you to imagine that someone just walked in from outside, and they saw the scene that's happening in the front. Now, on the surface, it appears like two people are doing the exact same thing, right? But there's a key difference. Brenda is hearing music, and what she's doing is a natural response to what she hears. And Jerry has just kind of watched and started to imitate and picked it up. All right, give him a round of applause. I owe you. So it's a, it's a little bit fun, right? But, but here's the, the spiritual parallel. The dance, or those outward actions, is kind of the spiritual activity. It's some of the activity of worship. But the music is the truth of who God is. The music is the grace of the gospel. And often, we are like Jerry in the story, not Jerry in real life, but Jerry in the story, who, who comes and approaches spiritual activity as a little bit of a dance. We've learned the steps, we've added more, but we haven't really stopped to hear the music of who God is. And we haven't let the grace of the gospel begin to infiltrate and kind of permeate everything that we do. So we come to know Christ by grace, through faith, but then we kind of learn the steps. And what will happen, if we had let this play out for a while, eventually Jerry would have gotten bored. Uh, you know, he, he did what we asked him to, but without hearing the music, he, he kind of, oh, that looks like fun. I think I'll imitate that. But it starts to be a little bit awkward. It's a little bit more difficult. It's uncomfortable. And at some point, without hearing the music, he kind of just stops dancing. And I think that's true for uh, our young people. I think that's true for uh, how we approach our, our walk with God, that at times, if we've just taught dance steps and we haven't taught them how to hear the music, that they, they begin to kind of just stop dancing because they haven't really heard it. And so here's what I absolutely believe about worship, and I think it, it's true of everything in our lives. We have to find ways to turn up the volume of the music 
that it's not just about adding more, it's not just about doing more. If we stop and behold and hear the music of the grace of the gospel, if we hear the music of who God is, our lives will not be able to help but dance. It is a natural overflow. And so here's, here's a practical example, maybe a real life one in my life. So uh, on Fridays, I often will spend time mowing the lawn. Now, anyone who has a lawn knows that that can be possibly a worshipful experience and possibly something else entirely, right? And for me, uh, in, in this kind of new season of trying to connect with God, I have found ways to worship mowing my lawn. And there are times, not to like be completely geek about it, but there's something about bringing like the order to the chaos um, and mowing in rows. And like I get creative, I'll mow like diagonal lines in my lawn. But there's something about the sun on my face and the freshly cut grass. And like I'm literally being a caretaker of the earth. And there's something in that that's just, there's nothing expected of me. It's a few moments where I don't have to think about anything else. I can just breathe and be and mow my lawn. And it can be deeply spiritual. And I can hear from God and connect with him, and I'm thanking him for this lawn I have to mow and this house I have to live in. You get the idea. But sometimes, most of the time, when I mow, I put on this lens of kind of perfection and control, and all I see, and I mean maybe criticalness, all I see is what's wrong. And I'm frustrated about the toys that are in the lawn and the dog poop that I just stepped in and the pea spot over here and the dry grass that I've like seeded three times and just doesn't seem to grow and the weeds that are coming up. And I, like I just get frustrated. And so I pull out the mower and I pull out the edger and then I weed eat and I spend hours kind of working at this thing. And instead of being content, I'm just frustrated at the end of it. And somewhere, I believe this idea that if I had the perfect lawn, that I would be more happy. And with enough time and energy and money watering it and resources, I could have a perfect lawn. But I know myself well enough to, to know that I'd find something else with my house I don't like, and I'd start to obsess over that. You, you see the idea that I could be worshiping God in that moment, or I could be worshiping self-effort, control, perfection, be worshiping something totally different. Here's another one. You know, Fridays, uh, I also have been spending some time at the river. And uh, I recently discovered fly fishing. Uh, after I, uh, I lost my dad, uh, I've been in the, kind of this weird season of just desperately grabbing at anything that, that would, might kind of connect my heart to God. And, and the river has been this beautiful place where I feel like I've heard from God in a time that I just feel like it's been quiet in a lot of other places. And so I've been running to the river every chance I get on Fridays with my fly rod in hand. And there's something about wading into the water, about being in creation, that I can just breathe, that it just is as it should be, and the rhythm of you know, the fly rod in my hand. And, I'm, and there's something about just thinking about all of the details of what I'm doing fly fishing that it blanks my mind from other things. And so I'm thinking about all these, these so I'm not stressed about work, I'm not stressed about, so there, and there's something in that kind of, the rhythm or monotony of that that, get, that God kind of meets me. But believe it or not, what this place that has become kind of deeply spiritual to me where I feel like I've heard from God, it's been even just this metaphor of connecting with him. I have this great way of turning it into something else as well. Um, and I mean, I feel like this sounds so silly like when I say it out loud, but I like, been spending time on the river. I was, I was out with some friends uh, not that long ago, and I wasn't catching any fish. And I tell myself every time that fly fishing isn't about catching fish, but it is a little bit, like, for me. And I wasn't catching any fish, and I, I just started beating myself up. I'm like, you suck as a fly fisherman. You're terrible. 
Like, do you know how to cast? Like, that was a horrible drift. Like, do you even know how to mend? Like, if I was a fish, I wouldn't catch that fly. And I know how silly it is to take fly fishing and turn it into, like, it's supposed to be the most relaxing thing ever. Um, but I've turned it into this thing that I, it's just something I beat myself up about. And I believe this lie somewhere that if I'm not, like, good at something, like, I need to go practice for, like, a couple years, and then I might earn the right to enjoy fly fishing. Like, if I put enough work in, and I work hard enough at it, and if I do enough, then maybe I might deserve or have made myself worthy or have earned to relax at fly fishing. And I'm worshiping something else, right? My self-effort, it's, it's about me. Both, both things can be deeply worshipped, mowing the grass, spending time on the river, where I can worship something else. We're going to worship one way or the other. The question is how do we direct that worship? And for me, it comes back to what we just watched. It's about hearing the music. It's about stopping for a minute and pausing and turning up the volume of the music of the grace of the gospel. When I take a minute to turn up the music, when I turn up the volume, worship, the dance, it just flows naturally. It comes out of it. We don't have to be, I don't have to be taught how to do it. It just happens. There's something about seeing and beholding more of God that always leads to worship for me. So you and I don't need to practice worship. We don't even need to work harder at it. We need to turn up the volume of the music. So how do we do it? Here's four ways that I think are just practical, easy ways to turn up the volume of the music in your life. The first is this. Scripture is bursting in revelation about who God is. And there's lots of places in Scripture you can read about the truth of who God is. But Scripture is also full of people wrestling with this exact same thing. The Psalms and prophets are a great place to start. They're full of God's people constantly crying out for God to help them see him for who he is. People that say, I feel this way, God, but come and meet me in this place. God, this is my reality, but come and change it. God, this is what I feel, but help me remember. Help me see. Help me behold. And so let scripture for you speak the truth of who God is. You know, sometimes it's just taking a second and offering a quick prayer. You know, for me, it's, it's something simple. It's nothing big. But as I pull, I've been practicing this over the last few weeks. As I pull the mower out of the, the shed, it's just, God, I know you're here Help me see you. That's it. I'm just going to pause for a minute. God, I know you're here. Help me see. When I'm driving to the river, God, I know you're here. Help me see. Help me slow down. Help me drink deep. And help me just see you. You know, if you're someone who journals, practice writing down the moments when God is present and when he is real to you. Because in those seasons, when he feels far away, your own words will bear testimony to who God is to you. And your own words are a powerful reminder of who he is and who he's been. And you can cling tightly. And sometimes just journaling is a way to turn up the music. For me, in this season, one of the big ways that I've leaned on is others. That I need other people in my life who I can borrow faith from at times. I need other people in my life when I'm struggling to see who God is who can speak the truth and remind me. I need people in my life to turn up the volume of the music so that I can worship, so that I can respond. You know, God's beauty both in who he is and what he's created 
It is made for beholding. It is made for receiving. It was created for us. But we tend to be people of quick glances. Even with God. And life at warp speed, it leaves little room for beholding. It leaves little room to see. But worship is what we do in response to that beholding. It's about giving glory to God for who he is. And when we worship God, our natural response to hearing the music, to seeing him for who he is, it's to give him his breath back. It's to dance to the music. And so as we close today, I'm going to invite Roland and the team up. I want to challenge you to to go back to the reflection time. I want you to think for just a minute. What is one reason you worship God? What is one reason? We set up a prayer wall over here on the side. Maybe that's something you need to write on a sheet of paper and stick in the prayer wall. Maybe it's something you need to put as a note in your phone or even schedule a reminder to pop up. Maybe it's something you need to write on a a notepad and just stick in your Bible. But as we worship and sing this song, I want you to hold to that one reason you worship.